Welcome back to the Max Effort Kitchen Podcast. We got a great segment for you. It's called The Athlete and the Chef. So sit back, relax, and let's go. Ever kitchen. I'm Matt Liz Cornell. And uh how you doing today, buddy? Just saw a movie. Good. Yeah, just saw the the Marvels with nice. my son. Nice. It's pretty pretty entertaining. It's yeah. like I was saying to you two minutes ago, it's <laughs> it's no Iron Man and like the original setup, but it was still entertaining and it's good to get to hang out with my son and go see movies and yeah. Yeah, I think that's a really cool thing. Um it was funny because I'm sitting on the couch and we're kind of like watching football and uh, Jack has this thing where I sit on the, I'll sit on the couch and he stands on the other side of the room and I just like throw him the football and he's just catching it and throwing it back. And I'm just like watching the game. <laughs> so we're doing that. And they heard me press play on there and they're like, Oh, he's going to a movie. And then Maddie's like, so did they plan it? And I'm like, no, they didn't plan it. Like, I'm like Maddie, I, this is too much information or too much, too many questions here. But it was like, um, it's cool to be able to do spontaneous things with your kids like that. I think that's fun. Yeah. So my daughter and wife are going to see a play right now at yeah. the, one of the local schools that my daughter was in last year, but this year she didn't want to sign up for it. And it's the last show. So, um, I generally look at what movies are kind of playing just to see if there's something that I can go to my son, go see with my son. But, um, normally there's, there's really nothing coming out anymore. I feel like a lot of the good stuff is straight to the, whatever streaming service it's coming from. Yeah. I noticed that too. It's, it's kind of disappointing. I mean, I like, I like the movie theater, um, for the big time movies. Right. Um, you're probably not going to get me to go. I mean, I don't know. A call. A comedy, I probably wait for a comedy to come out on a streaming service, but like anything with like special effects and like, you know, like the Avengers, Star Wars, or any of those big time, like production movies, I'm down to see it in a theater. And, uh, you know, like for Christmas, you know, we go Christmas night, we go see and see a movie. We do it every year. It's just like, it's a kind of a way to, to settle down the whole holiday. And, and, uh, it's like that, but, um, I don't know how it is down there, but when when the four of us go to a movie, <clears throat> we're we're a solid hundred dollars in. I think we've talked about this before, though. <laughs> yeah, there was a a family in front of me because I I worked in the yard all day, and yeah. then they had they've they switched over to Pepsi now, so they have like oh, Pepsi sucks. Zero commercials, <laughs> and I'm like. That just looks so good right now. And my son was like, it's not too late. You can still get it. <laughs> so I, I quick ran down there because earlier we went to Home Depot to get some more stuff for the we're uh, doing the front yard right now. Yeah. And he's like, can we go get Boba? And I'm like, well, then we're not going to get a bunch of stuff at the theater. He's like, that's fine. Nice. And then he's like, it's not too late. You can get some snacks and some soda. And some- <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> that's perfect. Well, you know, I didn't do much cooking this weekend. I got to be honest. We did like a kind of a date night thing last night and I was really craving barbecue tonight. And so we have this little place. I don't know if it's a chain or not. Um, it's called Dickie's barbecue, barbecue pit. Yeah. Um, they have one of those couple of them here. It's the yellow cup that gets me. Yep. I love the yellow cup. <laughs> I don't know what it is about that yellow cup, but it's like, I'll go there. I'll, I mean, so 
I'm like, I'm going to pick some of that up on the way home from the uh, chiropractor. And yeah, that's uh, I, so not much cooking at all this weekend, which was okay. That's cool. Yeah. 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 I made, or actually I didn't make, I had, I just, there's a new fish place that opened up and I was, oh. I just, I was like, well, I don't know what it's going to have, but it looks, <laughs> it took the place of an old five guys. That was, nice. it wasn't a, I, like I was bummed the five guys closed, but it wasn't a great location for a five guys. Right. Um, but this kind of place, it is much more, it's like a real fancy Rubio's, but the prices mm. aren't bad. Okay. So I ended up getting a Mahi Mahi bowl. Nice. And it was pretty decent in size. My wife got some fish tacos, uh, ordered chips. They fried them right in, right before. Like they can't actually came out last because they were they wanted them to be fresh. And it was like thirty bucks at the end of the day. Nice. So, That's not bad at all. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, I've always I I don't okay I don't live by this rule, but I've always had this kind of thought in my head that like if you're close to the ocean you should eat fish. You should eat, you know, it's, it's, I guess maybe a bigger chance of it being fresher um, rather than like, if I'm, you know, I don't know, in Wisconsin, you know, I'm probably (laughs) not going to go to the new fish spot, but (laughs) I don't know. You never know. I guess I got the great lakes there. (laughs) Well, you know what I mean? Um, Yeah. So I, I went fishing a week or two ago and I don't do that. It's just one of those things that when it's free, I go. Mm-hmm. And the the guy who is in charge, not the captain, but like the the guy in charge of running everybody, he said that there's no fish caught in the Pacific Ocean um, that is served in restaurants around here. Oh, everything gets shipped out to Japan. Seriously, so the crab or the not the crab, but the the lobster out here doesn't have big claws, right, or right. might not have claws. Period. But yeah. everything that we have comes from the East Coast. Yeah, that makes sense. And Japan pays for everything top dollar, so nobody wants this. Nobody's going to pay for what they'll pay. Um, so we just send everything out there. Well, that just completely squashes my little rule. That <laughs> kind of makes me feel better, man. <laughs> we have, but, a- yeah, we asked like, well, I think one of the fish that we caught was sheep's head. Sheep's head. And he, yeah, we're like have you ever seen this on a, a menu? Cause we never have. And they're like, Oh no, it doesn't stick around here. It all goes to Japan. <laughs> like, okay. Well, that's interesting. I've never actually um, encountered sheep's head before. I've heard of it, but I've never, I've never had tasted it, never seen it. Nothing like that. So it tastes like a white fish that okay. you would make tacos out of. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Solid. Sounds expensive. Um, so, you uh, you had sent me a polo today, and I thought that uh, the topic you were talking about was really cool, and I wanted to explore that. So um, why don't you go ahead and kind of introduce that, and then uh, we can just go talk about our opinions of it, I guess. Sure. It. I've been stumbling words today. So I haven't I. been drinking or anything. I know. It's one I'm of those days. Yeah. Um, I was listening to, I believe it was philosophical weightlifter podcast. Yep. And there's some other stuff on about that, that I'll bring up later, but it might've been the weightlifting AI podcast. Those are basically the same people on the show, just kind of slightly different topics or ones more related just to weightlifting. That would be weightlifting AI and philosophical weightlifter is some of the stuff is way above my head. Right. Uh, lots of sports science, some powerlifting, some, uh, and then weightlifting. So yep. some of the stuff I'm like, 
I'm I'm just a, a a weightlifter guy. I don't understand all this stuff, and I don't think I need to know a lot of the stuff that's being taught or talked about. I'm not mm-hmm. saying it's not. It's just not needed in my journey of right. lifting. So, right. um, but one of the things that they're talking about is how much people, uh, how'd they say it? They, they put too much emphasis on what they can do in the short term, like in the next couple of weeks or even this session, and they underestimate what they can do in the next three, six, 12 months, five years type of a thing. Hmm. Interesting. And I like that. So I know, I mean, okay, listen, I'm, I'm like the type of guy that when I, when I start throwing numbers out about what I'm going to do, um, very rarely do they happen. It's generally when I like, uh, I have a post, I think I, you know, I write down my numbers there. Um, it's when I have a really, uh, educated way of, putting on paper, like how I'm going to get it done. I'm like a meat and potatoes guy. So I like to see in the middle of the work. And once I see the work, I'm like, okay, then I, this is what I'm going to shoot for in the short term. Um, I like to think I know what I can do and I have big hopes, you know, I mean, before I'm 50, I want to uh, snatch 130, and that may happen sooner than I think, but who knows, right? Sure. That, and that's kind of where I get down to it is like, um, is understanding like what I can do. And I think there's a couple different things that play in, uh, that come in play here. And I think one of the big parts is, is your own personal security of when you're setting these goals. So if your ego is too high, you're probably going to be like, I'm going to, you know, shoot for the world and, and shoot for the sky. And that that's okay. I think, um, as long as you're still realistic about it now, when I first uh, started really diving into the weightlifting world, I saw this term, and you've probably heard this, but it's called, there, it was, he basically deemed it as SMART goals. And what SMART stands for is specific, measurable, obtainable, uh, realistic, and timely. And like, so when you're setting a goal, you should think about those, you know, put them through those filters. Now, that's great on paper. Um, and I think we can all kind of conceptualize that in our head of what that means and how to do that. We don't have to write it down, but it's a good guideline. And I have yet to be, I I'll be completely honest. I have yet to actually use (laughs) that process. (laughs) Um, and I've, and me as you know, six years in, I'm, you know, I rely on my coach a lot when it comes to meet time to, you know, talk about numbers and make a plan together. So like I personally, I just don't like to think about what I'm going to do. I would rather put the work in and let that speak for itself. Does that make sense? No, no, that makes a lot of sense. Um, One of the other things I'm going back to something else that I had listened to a long time ago, um, talking about something you get, like 90% of the same serotonin or dopamine hit as you do as if you actually do it. So there's, I think that there's a lot of people who are talking about what they want to do, like they're going to do it. And they get super excited about like, yeah, when I go to this meet, I'm going to do these numbers and it's going to be great. And I'm going to hit this total. And they're getting a lot of the same dopamine that as if they did do it. 
But then oftentimes they either don't hit those numbers or something happens and they don't sign up for the meet or all that kind of like stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So you'll see a lot of people that are, you'll see them talking to different people regularly and they're like, oh yeah, I'm going to hit this at the meet. And then, um, kind of they, they get that dopamine hit then maybe a couple days later they see someone else and they're like oh i'm gonna hit this at the meet and i'm gonna do this and i'm gonna do that and yeah. um i think that that has something to do with it as well mm -hmm. um so but um i know i know that people get excited about what they would like to hit and i'm not saying i haven't been there i remember specific conversations with my first coach where i was like oh yeah i was like i'm gonna I'm going to hit this number and then I'm going to hit this. And then I only have to clean it because I was a much better snatcher than clean jerker. So I think I had a, a 125 snatch and I was talking about going 135 for my second attempt and yeah. Yeah. never touched one. I don't even, I don't know how many meets I did before I even hit 130 in competition, but I was gung ho going to hit 135 for the second attempt. And then I only needed like 145 to qualify for some meet. Yeah. So it's interesting. Um, I, as the, you know, the more I think about this, the more it's just so hard for me to actually nail something down. And, and I like what you said about when you say it out loud, because when you say it out loud, um, it's, you, I think it's, it's hard because it seems like it could be, it could, it's risky to say it out loud because what you could, what you could benefit out of it is like, okay, a certain type of person is going to say it out loud and then they're going to make sure it happens at all costs. And I think I, you know, I like that about certain people. I think some people are like that myself. If I say it out loud, I'm going to be impatient. And then I'm going to try to make it happen quicker than I, than it should happen instead of relying on the process, um, understanding the, um, you know, the, my actual age and weightlifting and how that progression should go, understanding the program that I'm on talking with my coach and making sure that we're on track to hit those numbers. You know, I think that's a big part of it. Like if you want to hit some numbers and you have a coach, you say, Hey, I want to hit these numbers. How can we build a program to set me up for that? Doesn't mean sure. you're going to hit them, but you know, you could, you have a good opportunity. Yeah. yeah my last meet. So I, I, I've have these things registered into my head and I know these things about where I don't want to over tell like what I'm going to, I'm hoping to hit, but I have talked to a handful of people when they're like, Oh, what do you think? You're, what are you going to, what are you going to hit at the meet? And I'm like, well, if training goes well and everything <laughs> goes as planned, yep. I'm mentally preparing to open with these numbers. Yeah. And I, yep. what I'm not doing is telling them that I'm going to hit this number. I think a lot of people talk about like, oh, I'm going to open at this number and then I'm going to hit this and I'm going to go like they're, they're thinking they're going to go six for six. Right. And right. going six for six, if you are, if you've had, if you've been lifting a long time and you're hitting, numbers that you're are you're getting pushed it's not going to happen very often it still hasn't happened for me yeah. in 10 years yeah so um i remember talking to uh two of the coaches at socal and they were asking me what my goal was for the meet and i said well if everything goes well these are the numbers i would like to to open with yeah. and they can do the math going like oh he's probably going to do five kilo jumps and he'll end at this and this and I ended up opening five kilos lighter in the snatch 
but I, what they didn't know is I have been, I'm, I, I make big jumps. I'm mm-hmm. not scared of making seven to 10 kilo jumps. Yeah. Um, I've done 20 kilo jumps to 85% before. Yeah. It's not something I recommend or would ever tell someone to do, but it's just stuff where sometimes you're limited on what weights you have there. And like on real big, busy days at the gym, it's like, well, I guess I'm going to go from this number to this number. It's not necessarily one that I'd, I've done before or want to do, but this is what I've got. Right. Um, and I, ended up attempting the numbers that I was shooting for. And I went five for six at that meet. So hmm. I was in better shape than I thought. But then I think some of that little like nerves kick in and it's like, well, I don't want to go one for six or two for six. Um, well, you know, and I guess I've been kind of babbling on about all this stuff and, and really what it boils down to with all, all my mumbo jumbo that I'm talking about is like setting, um, realistic expectations. And I, I, that goes along with anything in life. And, you know, if you, if, if you set realistic expectations of, you know, look at the playing field, look at what's going on, look at your training, um, look at who you, if you're training with people, how you're performing on certain days, um, how you're performing at local meets. And then say, this is like, these are my expectations. And then run them by your coach, your training partner, and say, hey, what do you think? And get an outside perspective. Because I think, um, not to say that like those people should tell you what you're going to hit, but you know, perspective uh, perspective is reality in certain, certain um, instances, but perspective is good about helping you really narrow down like, okay, well, this person's seeing this. I think I can hit five kilos more than what they're saying. So, um, it, it could be fuel. It could be, um, it could just help you set your expectations to a more realistic, uh, measurable amount. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. That kind of, I kind of just like word vomited that. So <laughs> no, it, I keep going back to, I have, I have replays of the meat that you guys just did yeah. and that one coach who was there. Yeah. And some of the stuff that she was doing, I've, I've talked to, to a handful of people. So for people who weren't there, who is everyone who's not on this podcast, <laughs> <laughs> uh, this lady had a bunch of youth athletes. Mm-hmm. And what she would do is she was going back and forth with these like 12 to 14 year olds of what numbers they wanted next. And I was like, these are not the these are not the type of athletes who've been doing this anytime long enough to have any input on this. Right. Um, And that's part of the reason why she took 24 minutes to get through four lifters. (laughs) (laughs) Taking all time possible. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And they were kind of being nice to her and allowing her to stretch some time, I think. (laughs) Yeah, I think they were. You're absolutely right. I found it funny how they, how, she was, you know, how the, the warm-up platforms were set up. She was standing in the very front of them, like, uh, like a conductor. And she was mm-hmm. like trying to talk to multiple at the same time. And I'm like, how is this even like, this should be, uh, we said this before, but that should have been its own session. So she could yeah. do that and she could talk to them. And, but there were other lifters back there and it was just, it was interesting. Yeah. I think it, there's a certain point where you have to, 
the coach should take over everything yeah. and the lifter should have no input. Yeah. And then I think that once you've kind of earned that place in your training that you have some input, um, then that's a different thing, but you've got to be, you have to be confident as the lifter and not just wishful, not just right. being like, well, let's just put it on the bar and see if a miracle happens. <laughs> I've, I've seen too much of that where it's like, well, I, I made my opener. Yeah. And I think the other stupid thing that I absolutely hate is when someone opens heavy, mm. misses, misses the first two and then hits it on their third. And then they're like, well, I opened heavier than I've ever opened. And it's kind of like I, I made my, my third attempt cause I've never opened this heavy like yeah. third, third weight that I would normally lift at. And I'm always just going like, no, you want, you want one for three in the snatch or you want two for whatever. This is kind of my, my thought on, on all the like, your attempts or my, whenever I walk into something and I'm talking with a coach and like, my thought on attempts is openers should be anywhere between my 95 and 98%. Like I, I want to make sure that I'm making that. That's a, that's a, that's a make hundred percent make for me. Every time I've, I've missed one opener and it was like my second meet ever. So I didn't know anything. I didn't even know what I was doing. Out there. So, um, <laughs> but, uh, I like to make sure that my opener is, is a lift that I've made in training consistently. Okay. My second one is going for, uh, either a PR or, a, or a medal, whatever, whatever I'm trying to set myself up for. And if I'm lucky, <laughs> the third one is like, let's, let's go for something. <laughs> uh, let's just go for something. And I've done that before. And I really had a lot of fun doing that. Now that's at a local meet. That's not a, that's not something where I'm going and, and to a national meet and trying to really uh, compete and win and podium and all that stuff. This is where I was testing myself. And it was like, it was the one that I did in March where I, I hit one Oh two and I was hitting, I was just smoking them. And then I looked at Alana and I go, go one ten. And she goes, what? <laughs> 110. And then Joe goes, what? <laughs> I just do it. <laughs> and so, and I was just having fun because I knew going into that meet that I was going to, I was testing myself because I had, I'd been at a pretty big turning point in my training and my weightlifting life that I was testing myself. And that's my, and we talked about purpose of meets last time. Um, and that was my purpose. Um, of that meet and I had fun and I almost made 110. So I was pretty stoked about that. I didn't, didn't make it. Mm -hmm. So I can't be happy, but I had it overhead and I was like, okay, I can do this in a meet. Um, <clears throat> as long as I don't get hurt. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so yeah, no, I think, and it goes along with, uh, setting those realistic, uh, expectations, stop opening heavy. Well, I, I just don't understand it. Why, why put caution to the wind and open heavy? Unless you know you can make it and it's consistent week after week, why? I just don't understand it. I'll never get it. Yeah, no the the way that I was told originally is I think it and I ended up finding out that it was uh, Bob Takano's kind of recipe for lifting. Okay, is your opener should be ninety two to ninety three percent. of your of your I he. Of the goal. Okay. Or, of the goal. Or like, okay. let's just say, let's just say it's your one rep. 
So, but then there is the whole controversy or not controversy, but topics of like training PRs versus competition PRs. And that's, that's, that's uh, pretty important stuff too, but you'd open it 92, 93%. Then the second attempt would be 98. And the third, third attempt would be 101%. I like that. And um, I believe he said, I've only listened to a, he, he doesn't do that many podcasts, but I've been listening right. for a long time. Uh, if you don't make one, well, you don't get to move up to the next one. Like you have to, if you don't make your opener, then you're going to make, you're going to go to your opener again. Oh, and if you don't make your second attempt, you don't get to go for the, the 101%. Yeah. So yeah, I, I like that. I like the idea of you have to make it to move on. And I know some people will disagree with that. That's fine. Um, and I know that there's people out there and that have, um, you know, missed, maybe they missed behind them. Right. And they're like, okay, this, I got this. Let's go up another two, three kilos and, and they make it, you know, that's cool. Mm -hmm. Um, but for me personally, it's like, I, I have to make it before I move on. And that's always been stuck in my head. I don't even know where it came from, but I like, I really enjoy that. And, and really it helps me, um, just conceptualize the whole process. And it allows me to walk away with some, with a sense of closure. Like I did it, I hit the numbers that I wanted to, or I didn't hit the numbers. And now I need to go back to training and figure it out and get back on that platform. And, you know, the one thing that I really, really, really try to try not to do, and I don't think I've ever had this is walk away from a meet. Um, I've never, I, I just feeling like depressed. I've never walked away from a meet feeling depressed, no matter how it happened or what went down. Um, I walked away from me angry. I've walked away from a meet, uh, wanting more, but I've never walked away like depressed and not wanting to do the sport. And I think that goes along with your goals and how you set your goals and how you prepare for it, how you walk into a meet, what your what your openers are, what your attempts are. And there's just a lot to be said to that. And that is the mental mind game of everything we're talking about here. Because setting goals and, and putting numbers out there is all, it's, it's a mental game, right? I mean, yeah, to me it is. I don't know. No, it, it definitely is. I haven't done a meet where I was depressed for and not wanting to, to lift anymore, but I've definitely had, I mean, I don't know if I've talked about on this show, but, um, one of the most depressing meets I ever did when it was over was masters worlds when I won. Oh, and it was the reason it was depressing is I had worked my freaking tail off. Yeah. I got hurt 10 days before pulled an adductor. <clears throat> didn't know what was going to, or actually it was eight days. Not that it really matters. Right. Um, didn't know what was going to happen. I had been training for nine months for this meet. And I ended up making my opener in the snatch. And then I made my opener in the clean and jerk. And then my biggest competition bombed out. My own, yeah. my only competition bombed out and I didn't need any more. Right. And I planned on scratching the next two. And then one of my friends said, no, just go out there and hit the second one. Like now, now it's for fun. And I was like, I'm not feeling good. I went out there, hit the clean and then just threw it off my shoulders. I'm like, I'm good. I don't, I don't need, I, I had already won, but it wasn't the win that I wanted. 
right. it was it was just like I, I won because someone else lost. Yeah. It's like you you went to the Super Bowl and the other team's star player got hurt and went in the second yeah. play. You know? That sucks because you don't yeah, get to compete. You don't get to see the fruit of what you just did over that year, basically. Yeah, and the other big bummer with that one is the guy missed his first two clean and jerks, and then he had to go up like two to three kilos to beat where I was at. And then he mm. chose not to. He was just trying to total. So it was like <laughs> I won before he even missed his third attempt, and I was just like, like my coach at the time came up. He's like, you just won. How does it feel? I'm like, in my brain, I'm like, it's cool, but this isn't, this isn't the fight that I wanted. <laughs> yeah. And, and don't tell me I won until it's over. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, that, I, there's something about that. Like, let's finish the meet and then let's let, then you can tell me I won. I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, that sucks. I mean, you, you work so freaking hard. I mean, not only were you training your ass off, but you didn't you compete like nine times that year? 11. 11 times. <laughs> See, that's what I'm saying. And so like you were like, I mean, I, I mean, I can't even imagine how you felt after that meet physically, but mentally I could see why you were disappointed for sure. Yeah. I think that's why I needed. So leading up to that, there was a lot of just stuff with my old coach that I couldn't talk about. And if I talked about it, then um, basically I would have been kicked off the team. Mm -hmm. Um just based on the programming that I was doing and I wasn't yeah. following the team's program. And, um, the relationship with that coach was one that you couldn't be honest with them about a lot of this stuff. It was my way of the highway and it was stuff like that. So I think that that probably led into a lot of the, the depression from that meet. Mm -hmm. And then when I left the team, switched teams, um, have a very open relationship with that coach now, but with my coach now that I can talk to the, like mostly her, but there's mm -hmm. like technically three of them. Right. I can talk to them about anything. Like I tell them up front, I'm like, I'm not going to do this or I'm going to change this or I'm going to modify this. And, um, I had a funny conversation with uh, her the other day and she's like, all your sets are open-ended. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, but most of the time they're lower, but sometimes they're heavier. Um, <laughs> but uh, when I did that three months leading into that last meet, mm -hmm. I told her, I'm like, I didn't change any of the percentages. I did every percentage that was written down. I followed everything to a T and I had the biggest meet of my life. Yep. And that was the meet that I wanted to have. Like I, I did in that meet what I was hoping to do at Worlds. Right. And that so. makes sense. And you could see, um, <clears throat> cause I watched both of them, you know, and, uh, you could see, uh, there was a different level of energy going on. You know, you watch them, you watch them side by side. You could see the difference there. Um, not to say you didn't compete well at both of them cause you did. Uh, but there, the, the strength, I mean, you know, we talked about it, we recapped it and everything, but you, I remember it very clearly. You were, I swear to God, you were powering everything. And to think that you're powering those weights <laughs> was like blowing my mind. I was yelling at the TV, like you powered that. And, um, but that goes along with 
if you have the strength to do that in a meat setting, you know, what led up to that, which you just talked about, which was the ability to be yourself within a team, within a program, and to be open and honest. There's a lot to be said about that. Uh, there's a lot. It's like when you, <laughs> it's probably a horrible analogy, <laughs> but it's like when you're in a toxic relationship and you go to the new girlfriend and you're like, oh my God, I feel great. This, this person loves me. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I don't know if that's going to bite me on the, in the ass after this one, but uh, yeah, you know what I mean? It's just like, it's, it's when you feel this sense of, of um, being respected. Yeah. And I, and I think that there's a lot to be said about performance when you have that kind of environment around you and you're allowed to be yourself. Sure. No, I think that you said it perfect. <laughs> um, I had time to think about it. Yeah. I, I wasn't projecting at all. I promise. Um, <laughs> but, you know, and, and, you know, it's, it's just the reality of it. I, I just think that, uh, it, it matters so much. And we've, we've talked about community. We've talked about it yeah. a lot. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I got a good example for you. Okay. All right. <laughs> Friday trained with, uh, Damon and Eric and Eric hasn't trained. Oh, consistently. And probably since July and probably hasn't touched a bar much. And we've heard, we've heard him talking about, you know, his struggles and whatever on the polo. We get over to Damon's, we start training. He snatched 95. Like, and, and I looked at him and I was, and I even said this during the session, I was like, well, it makes a difference when you're training with people, doesn't it? It makes a difference when you're training with people that you meld well together. We should train more together, guys. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I'm pretty sure they uh, they got the gist of that. But if they didn't, they'll probably listen to this and, and get the gist of it. So um, I, I preach about it all the time. And it's just like, you know, and I've heard it a lot over the years of like, a program is only as good as your training partner. You have a good training partner. And for you, I think your training partner is that gym that you walk into because you're, you're seasoned enough where you probably could lift on your own. You don't want to, if I know you well enough, but you walk into that gym and you have a handful of people that push you, you know? Yeah. Garage. I need people over here because my lifting will increase by 10%. The second I get over here, <laughs> they, get, they get over here. Right. Yeah. So I talked to my wife a little bit about this and so I was homeschooled. Mm -hmm. A lot of people don't really can't believe that, but I was homeschooled. Now I'm a bald, tattooed, <laughs> big gun toting guy. <laughs> Join, hey, hey, it's a good club to be in. Yep. Come on. <laughs> but when I was in, I was homeschooled like through high school. Right. And I started working construction at like 14, just, just before I turned 14. So, and realistically, I did six months of school throughout high school total. <laughs> <laughs> but there was a very weird dynamic of being at home, like being homeschooled between, is it school time 
or is it doing the dishes, do your laundry, um, go take the trash cans down, do your math. And I think Mm -hmm. that's why I don't like, I, I loved the time that I had in the garage when I needed it or when I had to, and I didn't have a choice, but as soon as something became available for me to go to, I would, I would rather drive 20 minutes to the gym and lift in an empty gym by myself than walk outside in my garage and lift in my garage. Yeah. Um, and I think that that has a lot to do with my whole like homeschool growing up, um, that like blurred lines of like, we all know lifting in a, in your garage that your kids can come out, your wife can come out, something can happen. Amazon shows up and, um, that's just distraction and it's, it's, you can't focus. And when I go to the gym, it's like, if no one is there, I have the gym there. So it's like the, the gym is the, is the, the training partner. And then if anyone else is there, that's just a bonus. Mm -hmm. And, um, I have so many friends there that it doesn't really matter who's there. Like we're going to lift together. Right. even though we're not on the same platform. Yeah. I think that uh, that speaks a lot to, you know, uh, not a lot. I think that speaks, it has a good hand in why you have been so successful in this sport <clears throat> because of, of your mentality of what you just said. You know, you have the ability to, um, I don't want to say multitask, but you have the ability to, get things done in the non-traditional way. And I don't, I don't mean non-traditional is a bad way. What I mean is like, like I come, I, so I'm, I'm coming from middle child syndrome, uh, team sport guy. And I like, you know, um, and it, weirdly as it is, I've ended up in my garage by myself. <laughs> <laughs> Go figure. Um, but it says a lot for why you've been successful. And I think that your, your, the determination of being able to, you know, do dishes and school and, you know, your, the business that you have, the, um, the way that you just approach life with your family and your friends and everything like that, um, that you're right. I think it is, it, it does drive down to some basic stuff of, of being homeschooled and being understanding life on a different level. Um, I struggle with this with my kids a lot because I'm, I'm always like, they could be, uh, so much more productive or learn so much, um, more logical stuff, life stuff. If we homeschooled them and I, we talk, Alana and I talk about this a lot and like, you know, whether or not we'll ever pull the trigger, I don't know, but it is something that like, I, I truly believe that it's good for a person to be in that situation. I, do I think socialization is good? I absolutely do, but you can get socialization. And I think you've proven that. Yeah. And you know, so, um, but I, I, yeah, I think your homeschooling has a lot to do with that, that aspect of it. Yeah. And homeschooling when I was homeschooled, like 30 something years ago, (laughs) starting at (laughs) not finishing at 20 something finishing. Um, (laughs) it's not like homeschooling today. Today's homeschooling is awesome. Like, I would love to homeschool my kids. 
Right. Uh, we, we've talked about it, but it's just we're in the situation where we're in the best case situation that we can be in without homeschooling. Like right. my wife works at a private school and my kids get to go to the school for free. Yeah. And that's 10 grand a year per kid that we're not having to pay. Right. And it's a mile and a half from our house. And like all of the like my mother-in-law works there as well. My wife went to the school. I, I actually worked at the school for about a year. Um, yeah. it's, it's a very good situation, but if we were, I think anywhere else, I think it would be totally different. But back when I was homeschooling, it was like, that's just what all the weirdos did. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I remember hearing stuff like that and we had, we had a, a guy on our high school football team that was homeschooled. Um, and I was friends with him. He, he wasn't any, any weirder than any other high schooler. I'll tell you that. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, for my kids, like Maddie, she, uh, socialization is more important for her than necessarily the getting the full education because it's already um, different than what the general ed kids are getting. And then with Jackson, he's in second grade or third grade, sorry, yeah. third grade. And third grade is third grade, you know. So um, we'll see what happens with him. But like I, same thing, same kind of situation. We are in a really, really good situation, although public school is what public school is. But we are in a good district, and I, I believe in the people around our kids. So I'm okay with it right now. The second I lose that trust, gone. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I will, I will pull as much rank as I think I have. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice how they let us think we have rank. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, I'm a gorilla, huh? Yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Well, dude, uh, we're at 41 minutes and, uh, that was, that was a good conversation. I like yeah. that. No, I think um, it was good. Yeah. Got everything in. Got, you even got to see a movie. This has been a productive day. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Well, we will be, uh, back here next Sunday and, uh, we got two episodes to go until the hundredth episode, and hopefully, I get my stuff together and I figure figure that one out. But most likely, we're going to be going live because this platform allows me to go live. So, cool. Um, I'm in the process of getting that set up. Nice. One of the other things that they talked about on one of Josh Gibson was talking about to Max Ada was I think he said you're 91 or 93 percent of all podcasts don't make it to 20 episodes. I did hear that. So, and we, uh, yeah, I also heard is, is like number of 200,000 downloads. And I don't think I'm anywhere close to that, but we are about <laughs> to hit a hundred episodes and that's freaking cool, man. Yeah. I, mean, I never, ever, 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 ever thought that I would keep this going. Um, but it's just, you know, because of people like you, uh, you know, people like Sean um, and, and just, the ability to be able to do this. It's, it's been awesome. I don't even, I've always said this, I I'm not doing it for money. Um, I'm not doing it because I want a bunch of likes. I'm doing it because this is a good platform and maybe we'll, you know, maybe somebody will hear something that they like. Yeah, no, I think that's great. And I think that is partially why it's you're doing so well with it is you're not out there being like, we want to be the biggest, baddest weightlifting show and the, or cooking slash weightlifting podcast that there is. It was like, Hey, let's just take it one, one show at a time. Let's try to stay consistent with it and 
see where it yeah. goes. Well, if there's one thing I'm not doing, I'm not starting my podcast saying the number one weightlifting show out there. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. anyways, um, because I don't care if I'm number one, I, I just hope that uh, people, people like something they hear and, uh, that's what it's all about. And I, I get the, I get that there's probably people out there that are making careers out of this and, and getting paid and that's freaking cool. <laughs> yeah. Would I, would I say no to that? Absolutely not. I would accept that fully. <laughs> but, um, the second I take my eye off the idea of doing this for money or just doing it for the love of, of the sport and, and talking and having a platform and connecting with you and all the other people like that, that's the point in which it's no longer fun and it's a job and I better get paid to do that job. Sure. So, yeah. Anyways, thanks for letting me rant on that one. Yeah. <laughs> all right, everybody have a good night. Thanks for listening. And we'll talk to y'all next week. Bye.